Hey everyone, welcome to Reframe Your Brain. My name is Danielle Kent, and my colleague and friend Leah Sovereign and I love to think about things differently, problem solve around communication and collaboration, and reframe problems into opportunities for creative thinking. Let's get started. Hey, good morning everybody. Uh, welcome to Reframe Your Brain. It's Danielle Kent. And Leah Safran. We are here today on episode, I think it's episode number eight. I think I counted it out correctly. Let's say it. We're about to hit double digits. Woo! It's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're super excited to talk a little bit today about reframing. And um, we'll get into the details a little bit more. But I know for me, we'll talk a little bit about what kind of what was the catalyst for us with this, but the podcast. So Leah and I talked a lot last time or two episodes ago about what we're listening to and mm-hmm. coaching for leaders recently had an amazing podcast episode. And you know what I just thought about? Yeah. It's with Lori Gottlieb, but podcast number. I'll look we it can up put while it, you're talking. Yeah. Um, and it really was a phenomenal podcast about um, switching from, I think we said idiot compassion to wise compassion. And what, what is that? That kind of mm-hmm. helps us, reframe what we're thinking and shift from a state of you know this is happening to me to what am I going to do about it yeah so it's episode 438 yes from coaching for leaders and it is an interview with Lori Gottlieb um and the title is how to handle your feelings yes um and I think what Danielle was just saying about uh the terms idiot compassion and wise compassion she talks a lot about these two ways of describing how you respond to someone who like calls you and has this problem that or you know like a friend who is always sort of having the same challenges and the idiot compassion being a sort of blind kind of support where you're trying to provide reassurance to the friend or to the coworker or whatever by you know acknowledging their experiences and that's about as deep as it goes and you sort of agree with what their version of the story is and what their perception of um, you know what their reality is and there isn't ever any sort of okay well what's what's your role in mm-hmm. all of this and what do you want things how do you want things to be different how can you be the one who does that and that's more of that sort of wise compassion saying like wow you know that experience you just described for me really sounds horrible <coughs> and what's next yes how long you know Get it out of your system. Mm-hmm. Talk about it however much you need. Identify all the pieces. And then what do you want to do about it? Yes. Yeah. And I think, so sometimes I think people feel, and this is, you know, just thinking, we talked a lot about, you know, last year about active listening or, um, you know, reflective listening. And that people sometimes, I think what you just said is crucial. People oftentimes need to kind of express all their feelings around it. Right. Really feel like they're heard. And then, but then making sure that that next step is the next step of, okay, what are you going to do next? Right. I think if you try and shift too soon to like, okay, what are you going to do about it? People feel almost invalidated. Like, exactly. But I, but I want yeah. it to be heard. I want you to hear my frustration. So I think being a, you know, the wise compassion requires you to really listen fully mm-hmm. and then be like, okay, I hear you. This is what I heard. What's next? And in addition to the what's next, maybe even before the what's next, helping to open the conversation about what's your role yes in this situation yes you know to sort of move from more of a victim or blaming mindset to uh we're all if we're experiencing something it's something that we're contributing to or or um sort of abdicating our ability to, to contribute you know but either of those 
we're a part of it and we have the choice to do something differently yes and recognizing what our role is in a situation can help decide or help direct us to you know how we want to do something differently yes. that reframing yeah and that might initially be a little bit uncomfortable yeah. because sometimes I think it's easy to get caught up on that this happened to me right versus okay this did happen now I can take some control or ownership of this right. and figure out what I'm gonna do next and it it may even be that the thing that the only thing that feels within sort of our ability to do is change our reaction. Yes. There may not be something about the actual experience. That we can change. Right. And that happens a lot. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking about times when I've gone to like get my snow tires put on my car and it takes, you know, six hours instead of two. Because things sounds are sounds like a big. recent experience. <laughs> Real life experience. <laughs> you know, last year. If I uh, also... If I had waited, if I hadn't waited until the last minute to put my snow tires on, then I might not have had to wait so long the day that I wanted to get my tires put on. But, you know, that was the way things went. And so that day I had a choice to be upset about having to wait and figure out what to do without my car for the day or to accept that that was, you know, what was going on and how was I going to use that time differently than maybe I had wanted or expected or planned to. Yes. Um, so these things don't have to be like major life events where we can practice this sort of shift in even compassion toward ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like these ideas of you can, you can have an experience and then tell yourself like, Oh, this was so horrible. And you know, why did that person do that? And then, yeah, that's right. You know, that person did this to me. And you sort of yeah. build your own narrative that reinforces itself. Yes. We can also interrupt our own narratives mm-hmm. and say like, oh, that's true. Like that was not what I wanted to do today. And did I have any part in yeah. <laughs> creating the circumstances right. Right. that led to my day being this way? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And I think that ties in a little bit to another another idea we've been talking about lately around resiliency versus fixing yes you know being able to observe a situation that we're in or that people we're working with are in and not have this impulse to fix it and make it quote unquote better Better. but to sort of engage with it where we are where the dynamics of the situation are and not have it feel like a setback yes and yes mm -hmm. yeah and I think one of the things that you know, we were talking about this right before we started this for reframing that like Leah is my person when I have, <laughs> when I, if something happens and I like need to pro- process, I know Leah's going to hear me out and then Leah's going to be like, okay, let's, <laughs> now what? And so I think that when we think about reframing, it really means, you know, sometimes you often need an ex, you can do your own reframing in your mind, but sometimes having an external person to help you reframe or just to guide the process a little bit to get you on the right path. Um, because like you said, it can be really easy to get inside your own head and validate mm-hmm. your own story mm-hmm. and then just be completely set in it. But then really remembering sometimes an objective outside person can be like, okay, I hear you. Now what is next? Right. And sometimes the what, what's next might even be, you know, I hear you talking about this side of the mm-hmm. story or this Sort of, like, if you think of a story as a shape with multiple sides, like, you know, 
what's a three-dimensional shape? <laughs> like a pyramid or something. <laughs> like I'm a like, oh, I'm panicking. You know, I'm panicking. <laughs> I could only think of like a square, circle. <laughs> Those are shapes, but yeah, like a cube that has six sides. When someone tells you about a thing that's happening, you might only hear one or two of those sides of that cube experience and sometimes offering encouragement to say like, well, what are the other four sides of this shape that's going on here? Because there are always other perspectives beyond our own. Yes. And that they may not have as much value or relevance or, um, significance but it is still I think helpful to imagine what those are just to give more um like depth and sort of robustness to the fact that experiences have this multi-dimensional quality to them and we we will think of our own experiences usually as these very two-dimensional linear type things yes um unless we're not being heard and then it's all very complex yeah (laughs) yes Although I was just thinking, and we didn't really talk about this, but maybe problem solving. What's mm. the as a as a listener really focusing on this wise compassion or helping somebody reframe? There there seems to be this um, kind of crucial line in terms of when you're listening for when you cross over from like validating mm-hmm. to supporting the person to move on to mm-hmm. the next step. Because it's almost like if you do it too soon, the person feels invalidated, and how to do it supporting in a way that is kind of. Empowering the person to do the thinking for themselves and not doing the thinking for them, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. So, what, like, what is that crossover line? Like, when when does it when as a listener can you cross over from to reframe to help somebody reframe from from okay, I hear you, I hear what you're saying to yeah, helping them kind of slide into the next line of thinking. Are you asking what I yeah? Pay attention to? I it it definitely varies depending on the relationship I have with a person. Yes. So the the closer I am with someone, the the more likely I am to engage in that transition probably a little more out loud. Yeah. And say, you know, in response to something that you might say, sort of say, this is what I'm hearing you say, and then right away ask a question or with someone I don't know as well or or even if it's something really emotionally charged with someone I do know well I might ask you know is is there more that you want to say do you feel like that represents yes what you experienced fully yes and and also this is something that I'm um that I think is really important too is to say is to ask do you want me to just listen do you Mm. want me to be more thinking more actively about other perspectives and offering other perspectives yeah that's what I was thinking about yeah asking that question of like here's what I'm hearing do you like what do you need from me in this situation do you need me to listen do you do you want ideas for next steps Mm -hmm. and then creating that sense of they are they're choosing their next Mm -hmm. line of action because sometimes you know as someone's talking for me especially like I will just be my as I'm listening, there's like a whole separate like train collecting, like stopping and collecting ideas. And it's like 18 miles ahead of where maybe the conversation with the person who I'm actually present with is. And I'm cognizant of that happening and I don't really engage with it unless the person is saying like, I want to hear what you think about the situation and do you have 
like a perspective about how I could respond differently or how to maybe interpret this or how to stop thinking about it and let it, you know, cause I'm spinning with this idea and I just want to put it down and let it be like, what yes. are some ways to do that? Yes. Um, so that I don't anticipate what, why the person is talking, <laughs> you know, like yes. I don't anticipate their need. I wait, yes. you wait until either they say it yeah. or I have an opportunity to ask. Yeah. It's, that's hard to do. It is hard to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I asked. I think some people might like this idea of idiot compassion versus wise compassion, but knowing when and how to do it. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like some of the factors to consider are maybe your relationship with a person. Mm-hmm. And then maybe ask, like, uh, you know, some way or another asking that question of mm-hmm. what do you need from me in this situation? Do you want ideas or do you need me to just listen right now? Right. But I think one of the things about idiot versus wise compassion is making sure if you offer that and they say, I just need you to listen – that after a couple times of listening, you gently in some way offer to that person, you know, I've noticed that mm-hmm. this, you know, keeps coming back. I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, in that podcast episode, she talked a lot about planting seeds. Yes. Um, which I really, I think is great because sometimes people might not be in a place to receive your information. Especially if it's something that is really emotional or really complex, like a complex topic. That yes. There are a lot of pieces to evaluate. Yes. And if it's something that just happened, yes, listening and sort of just receiving all of what they're saying might be all that's really necessary. Yes. And then what you're saying is, you know, maybe offering to say like, wow, you know, if you want to talk about this again and think about, you know, some of the ways that, um, Maybe if you are having a hard time interacting with a specific person and the same pattern keeps emerging, maybe we could talk about how that could be different yes. or, you know, something like that to plant that seed, yes. but not necessarily engage in the moment. Cause I think that's a big piece of what makes it feel like your story isn't being heard or is being invalidated or dismissed is when the listener, because they have the emotional objectivity distance to be able to begin to move into that sort of next phase a little bit sooner. Yes. If they start that in the same conversation where you're still processing. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have the space to really join them necessarily. Yes. I think that's a really good point. And I think she draws a line too in the podcast and we, we often draw this line. It's the first time you're hearing about something. Yeah. Oftentimes that's the time when somebody is really just processing. Yeah. And then maybe not quite ready to step into that reframing quite yet. And in some ways, I think that taking some time and space and slowing down our reaction reflection process yes. is a, is a huge part of reframing how yes. we engage with our surroundings. Because if we are accustomed to having something, having an experience, reacting right away, processing really quickly and out loud and engaging like everyone around us, yes. and then right away jumping into well, next time I want it to be like this or like I need to write back to that person right away, that maybe that whole process is something that needs to be reframed. Yes. Um, which sort of is reminding me about one of the other topics or pieces that we were talking about before starting this podcast today and this book that I've been reading yes. called Braiding Sweetgrass, yes. which is just a beautifully written, beautifully written um, collection of personal essays Um it's called Braiding Maybe Sweet Maybe we can uh, link it in the show notes. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, and it's written by a woman who's a botanist, an ecologist, and she's also a Native American. And 
sort of describes her experiences engaging with the natural world from these very two kind of um, paradoxical worldviews. Yes. yes. Um, one, which is Western science, which is very focused on categorizing things and defining them and objectifying yes. in, you know, for the sake of the scientific method, but in a way that very much um, takes the creates a lot of distance between what you're studying and the person's and the the studier. Yes. So that you don't develop a relationship the in in terms of like a like a collaborative relationship versus a more indigenous perspective of nature which is about the fact that we are all in relationship with our environment and our environment is very symbiotic. Yes. And we're supporting each other. Yes. And because of that, the things the things around us are not so much things as beings and have something to contribute and you have to really slow down to be able to observe that because our lives move at such a fast pace. So the the slowing down and the taking in and the attention to detail in ways that we don't often give ourselves a chance to do. No. And it can be really tricky to create that space in a work environment. Yes. When that pace may not be something, may be set by others. Right. Or may just be sort of a collective numbness to the pace. And so people just are moving along at, a, at the same pace and it just is increasing gradually. And no one is really saying like, hold on. Yes. Like, I can't run this fast. I can't run this fast. <laughs> and that kind of brings me to the catalyst mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. So we talk, so, you know, op, there's just, there's, I forget what I recently was reading about, but it talks about in order for us to change, there has to be a key catalyst. Yeah. We can often think about changing, but we don't change until there's a catalyst, a right. huge event. Or, or huge in terms of how we perceive significant, it. A yep. significant event of something. So what is so what is the catalyst option for people to shift for, to reframing? And, or, yeah. you know, did you see my um, email this week about, you know, taking a pause mm-hmm. and choosing the next direction? Mm-hmm. What is the catalyst to get people to take that pause or to reframe how things are going? <clears throat> I think that this, if we think about this in terms of our like what most of us and the people listening probably consider like their culture, the catalyst often is um, a breaking point of some kind. Yes. Like overwhelmness, stress. Um, it's not a point of, it's often something that feels like a result of excess. Yes. Versus a result of intention. Yes. And so I, I think that depending on your sort of worldview, this can look really different. But for most of the things that we might be thinking about, it's it comes out of a sense of urgency from a situation that we've often created ourselves. Yes. I think that there are other worldviews that might say that catalyst can be one of that's that has a lot more of intention to create behind it versus reacting to a stressor. Yes. But those kinds of stressors that we experience, I know, are things like, I'm too, t- I'm tired all the time. Yes. I need to change something in my schedule because I, I don't feel like I have enough, I don't feel like I'm sleeping enough. Yes. Or like... Constantly feeling, like for me, constantly feeling stressed or maxed yep. out. Kind of spread yep. in too many directions. Yep. Because you've said yes to too many things. Yes. So then you created like your own little mantra. I create, yeah. So when I've been feeling so stressed lately, I shifted to being like, you 
you did this. And, you know, that might be part of it, too. It's a little bit of tough love. on Like, you have to be willing to admit maybe you set up a situation. Not all situations, I will say that. Mm-hmm, but yeah. admitting, like, I created this, so that means I'm the one who needs to take ownership of it. And I would challenge the language a little bit of admitting and tough love. Because those, to me... That's true. Those are terms That's that, true. you know, depending on yep. your your experience and your what experience actually happened right mm-hmm. i think it's it's important to to acknowledge that acknowledgement doesn't have to be like a admitting to me has a sort of judgment implied to it yes like you've been hiding it from yourself which you may have been right and there's doesn't need to be like guilt or shame around that yes so acknowledging and accepting and honoring that like you made those decisions for a reason to make yourself really busy and you're realizing that doesn't serve you and you're shifting your course a little bit yes I mean I say these things like I do them myself yeah but let me tell you no but the semantics (laughs) matters right they do like word meaning matters because it matters and I love that you brought up see this is why this is why Leah is my person she brought up words the tough the tough love (laughs) component that gets that's sticky that's a sticky one depending on a lot of things, but it can really enforce just some some different patterns of thinking. Yeah. Even with the semantics of using the word tough love. Yeah. I I think that um, I say that from personal experience of recognizing of how I talk to myself and realizing that that is those the those are things I've learned from yes. other people that are not lessons that I've really benefited from. Yes. And that shifting my own language that I use with myself really changes how I talk with others and allows me to have more compassion yes. and to recognize when when I have a conversation with someone that feels a little off to start from a place of like of compassion yes rather than judgment and it and like I was saying that it's hard yes. and I'm not successful anywhere near 100% of the time and it's even harder with myself so you know yeah, I think you have a framework of terms that work for you. Yeah. And you, if they work for you, you should use them. If yes. tough love is a term that works for you, you don't need to change it because yes. I don't like it. And, 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 and <laughs> no, and analyzing though, I think what works for me doesn't work for everybody else. Right. What works for you doesn't work for everybody else. Being careful with the semantics though, because mm-hmm. it can matter depending on a person's situation. So in this book, Braiding Sweetgrass, one of the things that she writes about really early on is how English is a very noun-focused language. I think I, I've yes. told you about this. I, I was love, so excited. I would love for you to share, though. I love these so good. language so, tidbits. So, so, good. So English is a very noun-focused language. Yes. She says, like, 70% nouns. I'm not, I haven't verified that. But I believe it based on our work yeah. and how much, in terms of language development and stuff. Mm-hmm. So... Other languages don't have that structure. They're very verb-heavy. So in English, things don't have actions that are paired with them. The trees don't, you know, have a verb that means to tree. Which is <laughs> or, like... <laughs> you know, to be a tree yes. doesn't have an action specifically with it. Tied to it. And in the in the language that her... Uh, of her lineage... Um, Actions, objects have actions because they're not really considered objects. They're considered beings. Yes. And so they're animate. Yes. And there's a different, you would use theoretically a different verb for describing the sound of hearing a plane versus the sound of hearing a tree because the tree is animate and has a spirit and the plane is man-made and does not. 
So this idea of the environment having action behind it, I'm sort of lost the thought that brought me to this part of the conversation. Keep, but just I keep think... going. Well, this, well, this I, brought you back to it. Yes. Yeah, yeah just the idea of words having such significance and the semantics can seem like such small details, but they're what we really pay attention to on such a unconscious level, mm-hmm. subconscious level, both of those. Yes. <laughs> Both I, of those. I mix not, those up. Not unconscious. <laughs> not unconscious. <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> in your maybe, dreams. Yeah. Um, but definitely subconsciously. I mean, the way that we frame our world is by using words. And if yes. the words we use are always sending us the message that um, an approach that's more more punitive based or more harsh based or more discipline based yes because of the phrases that we use like tough love yes then that's normalized and if the terms that we're using are more like compassion and wisdom then that's normalized yes and finding a way to you know they all kind of happen together like i have a really hard time with the term idiot compassion Mm -hmm. even though i think what she's implying here is it's it's very simple it's very superficial. Yes. And so it's just, it doesn't have the depth and the perspective and the introspection as the wisdom. So for me, even the semantics of those terms are problematic. Yes. Um, but that's not because of the word idiot. That's because of what culturally we've assigned to, to what that, that word. Means. Yeah. Right. And how it's used. Right. Regularly now. So, you know, I know that for a lot of people, like, uh, I'll see their eyes kind of glaze over when I start talking about these kinds of things, but... <laughs> I think if we all were able to understand and appreciate the words we use, that they're so powerful and they're meaningful and they have an effect on people and we understood and appreciated that, we would be more careful with the words we choose. We'd be a lot more careful. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'll step off of the word soapbox. But it's important to consider. Yeah. And it is much easier to consider when you slow down, when you take the time to choose your words. Yes. Like, I can remember growing up and being one of those kids who, like, just said the first thing that came to my mind and, like, being really witty and getting a lot of attention for that. And then simultaneously having people say things like, you should think before you talk. Yeah. I'm like, well, which one is it? Which one is it? Yeah. Do I say the really funny thing that comes to mind right away? Or do I reflect and then think about whether this is appropriate? And it's it's not really which one is it. It's when to use each of those. And the message, though, is reinforced humor, not reinforced questioning of authority, which is probably what yes. the things I was the saying things, that I yeah. was being told I needed like, to think before I speak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's not really evaluate all of your words. It's just evaluate the ones that question things. Yes. So even that has its own sort of meaning that is subconscious, that isn't... Yes isn't really obvious but yes yeah. <laughs> well I think that we that that kind of wraps it up nicely in terms of what we were hoping to talk about with reframing you know reconsidering pausing right looking at things a little bit differently is there anything else you wanted to add no I think we're going to put in our notes we'll put some yeah we'll link to links the, to the things we've talked the resources. about um and I guess just you know, ending on a note of just encouraging each other to, to take, take time when you talk. Yeah. Those few seconds will make a bigger difference in your relationships with each other and are not super consequential in the grand scheme of things. Yes. Awesome. Have a great day, everybody. Take care.